Hello, 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 Cheesehead Hangover Packer fans. Your Packers are officially in the playoffs. For the first time. In the last three three years. Uh, Welcome back to Cheesehead Hangover Podcast. My name is Garrison Anderson. Sitting across from me is my lovely sister, Sarah Anderson. Uh, And and we're happy Packer fans. They're coming off a, a win against the Bears. Uh, and we officially ended the Bears' season and punched our ticket for at least one more game. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, having been now three years without going to the big dance that is the playoffs, it is good to be back. Um, but now the question is, where in the playoff lineup will the Packers land? Because it's... the answer is... Almost anywhere. Almost anywhere. Uh, and, and that's something we'll find out. Except the number four seed. Except the number four seed. That <laughs> Thank is ex- you, NFC East. That's exclusively <laughs> reserved for either Dallas or Philadelphia, whatever team wants to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, so uh, the NFC is still as tight as ever. Uh, San Francisco's 11-3. and three. Uh, the Saints are eleven and three. The Packers are eleven, 11 and three. three. Uh, Seattle, I think, is eleven and three as well. Um, it's a it's a really tight uh, division and uh, or conference, and it's it's gonna come down to these last two weeks here. Um, however, if you're a Packers fan, you gotta enjoy the fact that you're sitting at the two seed and you're essentially in the driver's seat. If you win your last two games, you'll get that two seed and you'll be good to go. Yeah, and that's, I mean, they even have a shot, although not particularly likely just yet, of being the number one seed. Um, if if the Packers went out and Seattle and San Francisco can each lose a game, um, blows this thing wide open. I mean, that's a big if because they are both two great teams and, um, but you just never know on any given Sunday. On any given Sunday, indeed. Uh, so we'll, we'll certainly, uh, be interested to see where that goes, uh, coming up this week for the Packers against the Vikings. And we'll talk about this game a little bit more later on. If the Packers do beat the Vikings, they do lock up the NFC North, so, a lot of folks of uh, uh, the Packers staff and players were like, this is the first step. First step, make the playoffs. Second step, win the NFC North. Third step, get a bye. And then win, 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 Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of where we're at. But it's a good place to be at this point in the season. It absolutely is. And I actually really appreciated Matt LaFleur in, in one of his con- press conferences following the game talked about how, yes, they've made the playoffs. That's great. However, their first goal was to win the NFC North, and they haven't done it yet. And so that is all that he was going to be focused on for the rest of this week. Um, And I just appreciate that singularity of focus because, I mean, that is your best path to the playoffs, and that gets you, you know, so much further ahead of where you want to be. Um, it is so much better to host a playoff game than to be road warriors. I mean, the Packers showed in the 2010 season, 2011 playoff time, um, that it can be done. So have other teams, um, you know, in the past, but it's a, it's tough. It's much easier if you can, you know, take that path through your own stadium. Certainly. And we saw just the opposite in the NFC championship game where, the Packers were playing the Seahawks, and it was in Seattle. So, and the one know. before that against Atlanta. Like it is tough to play on the road, um, especially in a playoff type atmosphere. And so, if that road, if they can avoid the road and stay home, by all means. Um, and Lambo, Lambo in November is rough. Lambo in December is even tougher. And Lambo in January can just be utterly brutal, especially to you know. A dome team like New Orleans or a coastal team like either Seattle or San Francisco. It does not get that cold out on the coast. Um, it is, it's, it's a different kind of home field advantage. Certainly. 
Um, so that's where we stand uh, in terms of the playoffs and where we're at. Uh, we're not going to talk about the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna focus on uh, one one game at a time and uh, go from there. Uh, however, uh, in some other news and notes around the league, uh, Pro Bowl rosters were revealed uh, this past week. Um, and we have here uh, both Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari uh, made the initial Pro Bowl rosters, with David Bakhtiari being noted as the starter at left tackle uh, for this team. Uh, and those were the only two guys. And following up with them, uh, Zadarius Smith and Mason Crosby were listed as first alternates, but those were the only four guys that were directly uh named to the pro bowl and uh it it pro bowl rosters are always something we can trash talk and they 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 should get some trash talking uh because guys like preston smith jair alexander uh kenny clark after his great game uh to not even be listed as alternates is uh a, lo- a little bit tough to take. Well, there, D- Devontae Jair, Amos, Kenny Clark, Corey, Aaron Jones, Preston Smith, and Danny Vitelli were named alternates, just not first alternates. But still. And, which even, is better than but nothing. Still. But definitely, it's, I mean, especially, you know, Kenny Clark with the type of season he's been having. Or Preston given, Smith. Or either, yeah, who or was, who was one of the leading vote getters uh, among the public in his position, was the leading vote getter in his position among the public vote. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Pro Bowl voting is voted on by the fans, but it's also taking into account voting by the players and front office personnel as well. Um, so I don't understand how that all works. Um, <laughs> I mean, and he's also, you know, he's number six in sacks. Like, he is ahead of Zadarius. <laughs> Not that sacks or tackles or any single statistic or anything. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, it is it is a bit of a snub. Um, although a lot of times it seems like uh, players get recognition the year after a great year, um, as long as they don't have too much of a drop-off. So, you know, maybe that's what this means for some of our, some of our folks for, for next year, which would be well-deserving and well-earned, even if it is a year late. Mm. I'm just frustrated. I, I, I would have liked to see uh, Preston and Zedarius uh, both get on the initial roster or first alternate spots, but uh, it's okay. That That's not the end goal. I mean, ideally, in the perfect world, you're never going to play in a Pro Bowl anyway, and I think it's it's just one of those things that it comes out and it's like, wow, this is really messed up. <laughs> I think you're right. And I mean, the real goal, you're right, is absolutely not to play in the Pro Bowl, but to be in the one that counts. Exactly. Um, anything else you, you, you have from the Pro Bowl news or uh, playoff standings that you want to talk about here? <clears throat> not at all. Um, you know, it, it, it is, I feel like it's, I mean, typically a couple playoff spots have been locked up by week 15. However, this year, I believe it's eight across uh, the 12 possible playoff positions. Um, we know who, we know who's going to be, who's going to be there. We don't necessarily know exactly what order they'll all be in, but um, I feel like that's a lot of, of clinching to have been done um, at this point in the season with two games left. Yeah, certainly so. And it, it is one of those things. Uh, I mean, and we kind of know in the uh, NFC that Minnesota is going to take the last wild card spot, and then it just comes down to who wants to win the NFC East. But uh, can't completely rule out the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, making, they have a sliver of hope. They have a sliver of hope uh, for the Rams if they win their last two games and Minnesota loses their last two games, uh, they would edge themselves into the playoffs. But that is not necessarily looking likely it is not the most likely of scenarios um i mean we're certainly hoping to hand the vikings one of those losses that that the rams need um but the rams you know don't necessarily i believe they still have to play san francisco yep and um and then probably the cardinals usually they save a division match for the last week 
And so, I mean, the Cardinals, okay. San Francisco will be a tough one, but I think, and then after the Vikings play the Packers on Monday, um, then they'll play the Bears. And, um, you know, given how we saw the Bears play and, and um, this last week, I, I would lean in the Vikings' favor, but, you know, the Bears beat them once already. We'll see what happens. That's fair. Well, uh, looking at the at the schedule, we are getting to the point of the year where we have three games on Saturday, a bunch of games on Sunday, and then, of course, the Monday night game for the Packers and Vikings this upcoming week. Uh, for those of you that are interested in the key NFC games, we mentioned the Los Angeles Rams against the San Francisco 49ers, which will be the night game on Saturday. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are facing a tough Tennessee Titans defense at 1 o'clock on Sunday. And then finally, the Arizona Cardinals are facing off against the Seattle Seahawks at the 420 game on Sunday. Um, so some games to potentially watch. Also at the 4, 420 slot, we have finally have Dallas and Philadelphia going head-to-head. Um, I mean, I think the winner of that one is is by and, lar- by and large the favorite to, uh, to end up clinching that spot. Um, I think there might be a couple scenarios if one of them loses where this, this they is... could end both with an 8-8 eight and eight record and, and then it would come down to a whole bunch of messy tiebreakers. The, this is a case where if Dallas does win this game, they do, in fact, win the NFC East. So uh, with that, uh, we will now transition to talking about the game we just had this past week uh the packers defeating the chicago bears um and this is a another one of those games where it looked good for about a two two thirds of the game a half uh and then it it was it, it we held on uh and then they decided to raise our blood pressure a little bit with the last play of the game and the well, Bears needed... doing a bunch of laterals and almost uh, making a touchdown on us to cause potentially a two-point conversion to tie. But overall, it was another Packers win. Well, and even the play before that, which was a, a sort of Hail Mary, bounced off of Jair's hands bounced, and then bounced off the hands of a Bears receiver and, and out of the back of the end zone. Um, that one also was... Um, not quite as much as the very last play with all those laterals and, and a mess of who knows what, who knew what, how, which way the ball was going to bounce. Um, but it definitely was uh, down to the wire as um, uh, I believe it was Adrian Amos said in his interview that every, just about every Packers Bears game he's been a part of over the last five years has come down to the wire. Um, one thing I really appreciated about this game was that uh, how Dean Lowry pointed out uh, the the difference that a year can make. Um, it was approximately one year ago from their victory on Sunday that the Bears had knocked the Packers out of the um, playoffs and, and ended any hope for a postseason berth last year. And uh, the Packers got to return the favor this week. And, and you know, I think the whole state of Wisconsin is probably A-OK with that. I mean, it really gets to the parody that is the NFL. Uh, every every year, uh, you have about a third new playoff teams, usually somewhere around six new playoff teams a year. It can happen that way. And every year, you have about six teams that fire coaches as well. So it there's turnover, and <laughs> it, it, it happens. So uh, And this game is a little bit of that. I mean, the Bears were... NFC North champs last year and this year not so much and Packers are in so not a complete surprise per se no not at all I mean if you would have said this is how it was going to play out um at the beginning of the year I think I don't think anyone would have would have been all that shocked um because that's just it is is anything can happen and you just don't know which teams you know which teams are going to put it all together which teams are going to lose you know uh, a pivotal piece and the or a cog in their machine that makes their team run, you know, either that star running back, a quarterback, a key player on defense, whoever it might be, if that player goes down, um, you know, it can, it can turn a season. Yep. And so, well, you know, anything can happen. So, so what, what side of the ball do you want to start on with this game, Sarah? Let's, let's start in the defense. Um, 
I, you know, I, I really think the defense's consistency throughout most of this game, um, except for maybe just, you know, the last, last quarter and some change, um, was just dominant. Um, you know, holding the bears to three, you know, just they, you know, their effort to win the turnover margin, granted two of those turnovers, uh, one came on an interception at the end of the first half and the other came on Tremont Williams technically got a fumble recovery on that very last play when the lateral was dropped and bounced forward. And then the only player that could have, could have uh, for the bears touched it was the player that lost it. I believe it was the tight end. And, um, so Tremont Williams was was quick to get, to get on that and 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 therefore got the fumble recovery, but to be plus three in the turnover margin is huge. And the biggest turnover all had to have been Dean Lowry's interception. And I love it because you don't often get to say a Dean a D lineman's name like Dean Lowry um, getting an interception. They get sacks, they get forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, all of that kind of stuff. But it's great to um, see him get an interception and, and we got, at least I learned something new about him that he'd been a tight end in high school. So looks like he still managed to keep a little bit of that, that those catching hands as he's uh, been blocking on the line and tackling, uh, tackling away. But uh, it was, it was good. It was a great play. And um, I think it was a huge, a huge play in saving this game um, from going the other way. It was certainly a momentum shift, and uh, you, you brought up Dean Lowry uh, being a tight end in high school. Uh, he, he, got, he got a little bit of a return on his interception, gained a whole seven yards on his uh, interception return. Uh, but certainly that was one of the bigger momentum shifts. Uh, also on defense, it was good to see uh, Rashawn Gary uh, get another sack, uh, his second of the year. Um, and Kenny Clark. And Kenny Woo! Clark had a whale of a game for a whale of a man. <laughs> Completely complimentary use of the term whale. He he is big and strong and fast. And uh, he's someone that I think the coaches have said multiple times throughout the year. And even he's said it. You know, he's he's been doing things right. He puts in the work. He puts in the time. He does the things he's supposed to do. He plays the way he's supposed to play. He's gotten a lot of double teams, um, which is part of the reason they've kind of adjusted their scheme and rotated Zadarius in a little bit to help kind of suck some of that up to give him just more, give Kenny more opportunities to get to the quarterback. And, you know, keeping at that grind, uh, it came to fruition this Sunday. And December just seems to be the month for Kenny. Um, in his previous seasons, he has over half of his career sacks in the month of December. So mm-hmm. basically a quarter of the season, I believe it's eight of 15 or 15 and a half. Um, he, you know, this is his time to shine for whatever, re- for very different reasons. I think in his different seasons, um, I think initially being a rookie, it took until December to, to really become part of the, de- you know, to find his role in the defense, mm-hmm. which I think we're seeing Rashawn Gary do at this point in the year. Um, and then in his second year, you know, just kind of got off to a slow start and here again this year, um, teams knew that he was a threat. And so this is at this point in the season, they're kind of changing things up on defense to give him the, the opportunity and he's capitalizing on it. Yeah. And I think he's so critical to this Packers defense and you, you see it a little bit more in games like today where he pops off the film and has some of the sack plays, but also, you just sort of get a chance to see him highlighted on what he does on the defensive line. However, he's also really important from a formation standpoint for this team. Uh, the Packers, a lot of the time, uh, play um, in some interesting formations where they have uh, six, six DBs, four sort of linebacker in the box type guys, uh, and then one down defensive tackle, or they'll do two down defensive tackle, three sort of in-the-box linebacker guys, and six DBs. And part of the reason for that is Kenny Clark's such a good nose tackle type position that he can often cover two or three gaps uh, and be able to uh, sniff out the run along the course of the game. 
uh, especially when you play as so few guys on the defensive line in those type of plays. Um, so often there are more linebackers on the field than defensive line, Ben. Uh, and we see that a lot with uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith, both of them often playing standing up, uh, occasionally dropping back into coverage. Um, but part of the reason they're able to do that is because Kenny's dominant up front and is able to have a really good, smart sense of where the run game is going and be able to control that. Because when you when you play so many defensive backs all the time in a dime coverage, it can get really easy for the running game to get going on you. Um, but it was good to see this game for Kenny break out a little bit more. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think that's one thing that the Packers did particularly well in this, this game is, is controlling the run. Um, the run for the Bears didn't really have any explosive plays. Like, we've seen this team give up at different times. It, they definitely had chunks on, in the receiving. But as far as, as rushing, they, for the most part, I think, held the Bears in check. Um, and And... That is stopping the run is oftentimes the you know the first thing a defense wants to do um, to make defense to make the offense one dimensional and therefore a little bit easier to defend. Yeah, certainly. So um, also uh, this game, I, I just enjoyed overall. Uh, it was good to see Jair Alexander get an interception. Uh, I feel like he's had a dominant season, but doesn't have the flashy stats of interceptions. So. It's good to see him get something. Uh, it was good to see the continuation of uh, Tyler Irvin on special teams. Uh, um, and yeah, uh, overall, it was really exciting uh, for this game. Uh, anything else stand out to you on defense? I want to ask you what you think of the Packers defense's last play of the first half. The interception that turned into a backyard toss around for I think it was three different laterals with um I think let's see here let me find the stats with uh I I know Amos get you know advancing at nine yards King losing 11 yards and then Darnell Savage diving ahead for nine more yards to uh to uh end the half uh it was the play (laughs) it was exciting (laughs) it was a good way to end the half um where, where are you going with this? I'm just thinking to back to Matt LaFleur's comment. When he was asked about that play, he said it would be addressed on Monday. Um, I, you know, I think these kind of plays are fun to watch as a fan, but I, I, <laughs> I can't believe that any of those players got any, any points for what they did as far as just grading out and everything. Um, in all reality, catching it and just ending the half to be done. Uh, is the smart thing to do. And um, they did open themselves up to, you know, maybe maybe fumbling a lateral like we saw Chicago mm-hmm. do on the last play of the whole game in the second half. Um, and, and, you know, in that kind of situation, given field position, they could have handed the Bears a touchdown. That's true. Uh, uh, I, I agree. Um, but it still is fun to watch. But still fun <laughs> to watch. So, like, the fan in me is always just like, uh, you never know. It would have been so exciting if they did lateral lateral it's enough times to go back and score right at half. Um, but alas, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, overall, I think one of the things for the defense to mention, too, is uh, Mitch Trubisky did throw for over 300 yards. Um, there were some big chunk plays given up uh, to their receivers, Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, both of whom uh, had over 100 yards on the game. Uh, so, again, uh, the team is not shy about saying they have stuff they need to clean up as well. Um, but a win is a win nonetheless. Uh, and how did we get to this win? We scored some points on offense. <laughs> we scored more. <laughs> Than we did last time. And we scored more than the other team on the other side of the ball. Which is how you win games. That is how you win football games. Uh, What stood out to you about the offensive performance in this game? What really stood out to me in this particular offensive performance, and Aaron Rodgers' comment, was either 
asked about it or commented about it um, in his post-game press conference, but the aggressiveness of Matt LaFleur in calling this game, going for the deep shot on the first call of the game, going for it on fourth and down, on fourth down, on fourth and four, leading to a Devontae Adams touchdown. Um, I like that guts. And um, I that was, that was exciting to see on offense. And, you know, sometimes it worked, like the first touchdown of the game, and sometimes it didn't. You know, just um, kind of the ball going through um, MVS's hands on that first play of the game. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's a good thing that our our coach is, is willing and ready to be bold. Yeah, certainly so. And it, I felt bad for Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the first play of the game, especially because that was a ball I think even he would say that he should have caught. Um, but it, I, I do appreciate the big shots. I do think that's when this offense has the chance to really dominate another team. Um, one of the things that stood out to me a little bit was the wide receiver play overall uh, and some shifting that uh, is happening a little bit more. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling only played uh, seven snaps of the, of the game uh, for 12% of the total offensive snaps. Uh, and Matt LaFleur was not shy about saying, yes, he struggled, but also gave a resounding uh, vote of confidence for Scantling. He's a young player. He's a second-year guy. Uh, learning a new offense. Learning a new offense. Uh, Devontae Adams, also another Packers wide receiver who struggled in his second year in the NFL Football League. Uh, so there is a lot of growth that can happen there. You see the parts of the offense where – if Scantling is right and dominating, like apparently has been in practice, those shots down the field will turn into touchdowns at some point. You know, and now is getting to be a really good time. You know, on the verge of the playoffs, getting in the postseason and, and trying to lock down the division. And I think it's important to remember with play, especially young players, you just don't know when that switch is going to flip. And you just have to have a little bit of patience. And um, I appreciate that about Matt LaFleur. Another thing he pointed out about the receivers and more in regards to Jake Kumaro and Geronimo Allison is that they do a lot as receivers that will never show up on a stat sheet. And Alan Lazard as well. And, and Alan Lazard, absolutely. Um, their ability to block in the run game and to block for each other as you know plays develop is really phenomenal. And I don't know <laughs> that... You know, you don't ever think about receiving cores and groups of receivers on different teams and have a skill stand out, have the skill of blocking be something that the receive, receiver's room is known for. Like what team, on what team are the receivers known for blocking? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a unique aspect of this group um, and a unique element of this offense um, that, you know, it doesn't, it, I mean, it doesn't show up. You know, you don't you don't get a stat for blocking your guy and letting Aaron jo Jones run for an extra five or ten yards, like that, or run for a touchdown. We've even seen like mm -hmm. how do you you know you you can you measure that? I mean, there's there's analytics that can be done to do that, and you know you can go back to the film and count it up. But mm -hmm. it's not something that's going to show up in the box score. It's not something that even really gets talked about all that often by commentators on TV. You just have to be watching and, and noticing on the peripheries of the camera view who that is. And so much of the time it is Kumro mm -hmm. and it is Lazard mm -hmm. and it is Allison and they're doing a great job. Yeah. And I think uh, when LaFleur was talking about it, he, he also remembered, he mentioned uh, it's really important that they have a lot of unselfish guys and a lot of those guys have bought into that. Um, a hypothetical question for you, Sarah. Uh -oh. uh, who, what team has been the most disappointing team in the NFL this year? Oh, wow. Can I take a look at the standings for a hot minute? You can take a look at the standings, but I'm getting to a point here. So what, what team is the most disappointing team in the NFL compared to where we thought they'd be at the start of the season to now? <laughs> Do you want me to say the Bears? Is that what we're going for? Mm. <laughs> No, that was not what I was going for. You could say the Bears. 
however, I think a lot of people might think of the Cleveland Browns as one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL. I would agree with that statement. Um, and I think this brings up a really interesting contrast with the Packers team and specifically the Packers wide receivers. Uh, their wide receivers being fairly good at blocking, unselfish guys, uh, guys that rotate around, uh, guys that are making the most of their opportunity along the way. And you can take a look just at Alan Lazard's playing time in this past game where he was on the field for 46 snaps, uh, which is uh, 78% of the total offensive snaps. Uh, But then you think about a team like the Cleveland Browns, who their two big wide receivers are Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who the Browns acquired this past offseason in a major trade, uh, and Jarvis Landry, um, who... Also was acquired in a trade, wasn't he? Acquired in a trade two years ago. Uh, Both wide receivers uh, signed to fairly large contracts. Um, Both guys coming out of LSU, uh, they were teammates together. um, But both guys that are pretty known for their ego, and I don't want to fall into the diva wide receiver trope, but when the shoe fits, the shoe fits a little bit. Sometimes Um, some stereotypes come into existence for a reason. Exactly. Um, But so much of the national media attention around the Browns has been their coaching, what's wrong, why isn't this working, there's so much talent on this team. A lot of people talk about the offense with them needing to get Odell Beckham Jr. the ball more. Um, However, when you look at the underlying numbers for them, Odell Beckham Jr. has been targeted 121 times, and Jarvis Landry has been targeted 123 times. Odell Beckham Jr. has had 67 catches for a 55% catch rate, uh, and Jarvis Landry has had 74 catches for a 60% catch rate. And it's not surprising that Baker Mayfield has only thrown for 60% of his passes when most of his passes are going to those two guys who are getting plenty of opportunity in terms of targets, uh, but not converting. Um, And when you say me, 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 and you're getting targets and you're not making use of them, then what else are you not doing right in the course of the game? And I think you can kind of compare and contrast and get a sense of maybe why this Packers wide receiver core is much different than I think almost any wide receiver core in the game. It's a lot of undrafted guys. It's a lot of young guys. And then you have the one guy in Devontae Adams, who's kind of a veteran. Um, I mean, only only two of them are drafted, right? Devontae and MBS. Yeah, and uh, it's true. Um, but with that, you, you can kind of see just because you have talent as a wide receiver or pass catcher, you need to have a full-fledged game. And I think that's part of the reason the Browns are not having success in that they're focusing too much on Odell and Jarvis Landry as pass catchers and not focusing as much on things that they've had a lot of success with with the run game. But you can also look at the Packers and think about they're a team that has truly focused on fair balance throughout the course of this year and giving guys their touches and their opportunities and trying to build out what is best. And then when one guy isn't getting the ball in the game, they're not giving up and they're focusing on getting the blocks and doing their job and making sure that it works as well as possible. Um, So I think it's just an interesting comparison uh, to see. And I think it comes back to that unselfish characteristic where if you got an unselfish team that knows their job and knows what they're doing, you can beat the more talented team any day of the week. I mean, that's just it. Football is a team sport. And if you don't have that element, um, you can have all the talent in the world. I mean, look at look at the Pro Bowl. You have the most some of some of the most talented players on both sides of the ball. And it's usually a terrible game because they're not a team. They practice together, what, like three times? 
and pra- then practice exactly air, in air quotes. They, they get they get together on the football field. They they wear three shorts and, and have some fun <laughs> for a few hours and then go out and play again. And it's a terrible game. It's absolutely terrible. The 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 pomp and ceremony about it all is fun, but the game itself sucks. Um, because football's a team sport and you need a team to play it. And I mean, I, and you know, no matter how ugly these games get, I think the Packers win because they are a team. I, I, I do too. And I, I think that's some, another thing that shouldn't be lost and something to keep in mind moving forward. Um, what else uh, stood out to you on the offensive side of the ball? Um, that you Aaron Jones about. and two more touchdowns. Exactly. Another guy who didn't get to the Pro Bowl. But, I mean, you know, they pointed out to him that he's closing in on a Ma Green season record of 20 touchdowns in a season. He's three away. He's at 17 total. Um, I believe it's, what is it, 14 rushing and three receiving. Mm. Um, and he was like, really? um i mean it speaks to his focus it it speaks to the fact that he his goal i think every single play is to score a touchdown however many that adds up to after 17 weeks of the regular season so be it but um he is out there um i think one thing that was kind of interesting about this game though is that um you know on offense the packers really didn't get all that many yards um, they were under 200 for rushing, or under 200 for for receiving. Just hit 100 for rushing. Um, all three total. That's Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Aaron Rodgers scrambles, which picked were critical to picking up a couple first downs, a couple of the first downs. Um, and yet, this team came out ahead. Um, and I just, I mean, I think that points so much to what Irwin has been able to do on special teams and providing. Uh, this team with field position. They had generally short fields to work with and gave themselves opportunities um, that so they didn't need a lot of yards to get the points that they got. I would say the other thing, as well as um, like Dean Lowry's turnover providing field position. Um, the other thing, though, that I thought was a little concerning in this game was the amount of points that the Packers offense left out on the field. Um, they were within field goal range twice. And one time <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers... Um, uh, intentional grounding, not when he tossed the ball, it didn't get back to the line of scrimmage, um, caught, pushed them back out of field goal range. And then the other time he was sacked out of field goal range. Um, so, I mean, at minimum, you know, if those plays had gone for positive yardage, you know, maybe a first down and keep the drive going to a touchdown. But at the very least, if, if you know, he'd just thrown, it, thrown the ball away more quickly, you would have kept your field position, kicked a field goal, and I have to think with Mason Crosby having the season he is that he makes those and makes this, you know, a 27 point game instead of a 21 point game. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I was I was kind of thinking about this. Uh, Matt LaFleur has talked a lot about how explosive plays are really important. And I think explosive plays on offense are the equivalent to turnovers on defense in terms of determining if you win or lose a game. Uh, and the Bears certainly had their explosive plays, uh, but the Packers did as well. You had the Jake Kumaro catch for 49 yards at a big point in the game mm-hmm. uh, to get them from not in the red zone to in the red zone. And then an Aaron Jones <laughs> touchdown following it. And then an Aaron I Jones believe. touchdown. Aaron Jones also had a 21-yard run. Devontae Adams had a 34-yard catch uh, across the middle. Um, and... Uh, we had those explosive plays, even though we may not have had as much yardage or uh, scoring on offense as we could have. Well, and Aaron Rodgers himself had a 17-yard run. Exactly. So, so. you know, there. Uh, I, I would say that that was an element of the offense that I think was more prevalent in this game. I feel like a lot of times we either had just a couple of explosive plays, but I felt in this game they they had more. And I think that's important as we get to – you know, we get further into December. The ugly part of this game. Well, okay. One more good thing. Uh, All right. Devonte Adams had uh, a good game again. Uh, 
one thing to note and think about uh, coming out of this game and going into the Vikings game. Uh, Devontae Adams took a season-high uh, 15 snaps out of the slot uh, in this game. Uh, he scored his touchdown of the slot. Uh, he also had his big uh, 40 or 34-yard catch out of the slot. Uh, and I think watching for Devonte Adams in the slot position a little bit more might be something to track moving forward, especially if we do play some taller guys like Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro, who are good route runners on the periphery of the zone. So something to keep an eye out on uh, moving forward. Uh, but to your point there, to what I was saying earlier, there were definitely ugly parts of this game. Uh, and like the fourth quarter? <laughs> like the fourth quarter, but also uh, the second quarter, too. Uh, once, we, once we got the touchdown uh, on our second drive of the game, the Packers went punt, downs, downs, and then started out hot with touchdown, touchdown in the third quarter, and then ended the the game with punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. Uh, and that's not how you put away a game. That's how you let a team stick around and make it close at the very end. Yeah, I mean, especially that, that stretch going, um, I believe it was from the end of the – or just in the fourth quarter, um, that was brutal. Um, I would say that was absolutely brutal. And it is it is not how you're going to win a playoff game. It is not how you're going to win against the Vikings. Um, if you have, let's see, it is one, two, three, four, five punts in a row, um, you know, you're going to go home and not to play a game there. Um, and so you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, on, you know, on the flip side, you know, coming out and scoring two down, two touchdowns on your first two drives in the second half, like that's what you need to do. That's how you put a team away. Um, it's, I, it, it goes back to, to what the, you know, has been said about this team all along. It's about consistency and execution. And, um, you know, when they're hot, like coming out of, coming out of the half for that first probably half to two thirds of the third quarter. Like that is how you end the game. Um, but you know, how can they do that? Can they do that for four quarters? Can they do that in a more consistent way to, to, to be the type of team I think that they're actually capable of being. I don't think that it's a fluke that they got in ended the half with an interception, went out and got a touchdown. Basically, Gave the the Chicago what one first down, a couple of first downs, and then held them, um, and forcing a punt, which or forcing them to turn over on downs, which then led to another touchdown. Like holding a team on fourth down for four downs at any point is is solid. Um, but you, you got to do it for for a whole game. You can't do it for part of a quarter. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um... Another thing to think about coming out of this game, the Packers were also only uh, 5 for 15 on third down efficiency, which has been, of course, one of the Achilles heels of this team throughout the course of the year. Um, and we've said this a lot this season. They won. It was great. We're not going to apologize for winning. Uh, but there's stuff to clean up. Um, so... Anything else stand out to you about this game uh, before we move on to talking about the Packers versus the Vikings matchup? No, I am ready to turn the page and I am looking forward to Monday like very few people are. Very true. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sarah and I will actually be attending the Packers-Vikings game in person in Minneapolis, Minnesota which is about an hour and a half away from our hometown. Um, I'm always I'm always a little bit uneasy when I go into a game in enemy territory. It's always a – you never know what you're going to get completely. Nope, you don't. Um, 
I did I did look it up before we started. I I now know that the temperature in the stadium will be somewhere between 65 and 70. Okay. So there's one one less variable of uncertainty. Um, I know how, how I want to be dressed inside the stadium, although I'm not 100% sure just yet how much I want to be dressed to get to the stadium, but mm. we'll deal with that later. Um, but I agree with you, uh, especially with a rivalry like this, going into enemy territory, um, invading U.S. Bank, if you will. Um, I, d- I don't know how aggressive I want to be. <laughs> That's that's my biggest problem. I I'm like feeling like I want to be really aggressive and like make it heard on the television broadcast that oh there's a lot of Packers fans here. And it's really just the two of us. And it's really just the two of us. <laughs> but I think there's going to be a lot of Packers fans there. So I'm going to be really interested to see what it looks like. Uh and and we'll feel it out I think. I think it always depends like how many people are around you and how many beverages you consume beforehand uh that determines a little how how much trash talk might be going on during the game well and i think there's something to be said about this rivalry and given you know that we grew up on the minnesota wisconsin border this is the rivalry that just just gnaws at me yeah i don't like the bears it's true but on the occasions we lose to the bears how bad do i feel pretty bad I, I feel pretty bad pretty bad when we lose to the vikings i feel terrible and i'm gonna feel terrible about it for a while um i just hate this team mm. <laughs> i just hate the vikings i want to beat them so badly um and so yeah i i uh this will be fun <laughs> it, it, it will be fun um I will, we will see what happens. Um, so a little bit of a breakdown of the game. Uh, the Packers are obviously going into U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, which is supposedly one of the louder stadiums in the NFL. Uh, so we will see. We will report back to you all. Uh, the Vikings are favored by four in this game over the Packers. Um, so essentially a home field advantage favorite. Um, uh, the projected points total for this game is at uh, 46 and a half, which is the over underline. Um, game's going to be televised Monday night, ESPN, under the lights. Uh, Kirk Cousins is 8 0. Or 0 and 8. <laughs> Sorry, other <laughs> way around. Uh, on Monday night football. Uh, so we are going to see if the Packers can continue, but alas, uh, this was not the same Kirk Cousins we saw coming off a 10 pass attempt at performance the last time we saw him, uh, earlier in the season. He's had a outstanding rebound to a rough two, three game stretch at the beginning of the year. Uh, he is at 3,400 yards, uh, potentially going to crack 4,000 yards. Uh, he has had 25 touchdowns to five interceptions uh, this year and has averaged a quarterback rating of 111 uh, so far this season. Um, going into the game a little bit more, uh, it's uncertain if they're uh, running back Dalvin Cook, who's had over a thousand, over 1,100 yards already this season, if he's going to be able to play in this game uh, because he had re-aggravated a shoulder injury in their last game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, however, their rookie Alexander Mattinson uh, and Mike Boone have uh, showed flashes throughout the course of the year that they can at least uh, continue the run attack, even if it's not at the level of Dalvin Cook. Um, so those are those are some initial thoughts going into this game. Uh, how do you feel about it now? <laughs> you know, I, I this game is going to be close. Um, it's going to come down to the final play. Um, I think the over-under on 46 seems awfully low. Um, this game is inside. It is comfy. At 65, 70 degrees, we're not in the sleet and snow and ice. The ball can fly. It's not a rock that they're trying to <laughs> trying to move through the air. Um, 
I don't know. I feel I I I mean I think I think the total is going to be way over 46. <laughs> personally, um but I I mean I think these two teams are are really evenly matched. Um that's been pointed out multiple times, multiple ways um <clears throat> on offense, on defense. It's going to come down to who executes and who executes consistently and um I just can't help but marvel at how different both of these teams are here in week 16 compared to week two. Um, and week two, we were I, I, on both. We're like, who are these teams? We, we don't know yet. We have one really fluky week of, of stats with the Packers and Bears going 10 and three for a score and the Vikings who I don't remember what was going on with them, but it was not a good indicator of anything that they would do for the rest of the season. Um, and, these two teams have evolved and I mean, that's why they're sitting here, you know, looking, both looking at the playoffs. Um, it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be an exciting game. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's going to be, we'll be, I am really confident we're going to be on our seat on the edge of our seats for all 60 minutes of, of playtime. Uh, indeed. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hard game to think about. I'm really excited for it. Um, I I think that a lot of this game is going to come down to... Uh, I think it's going to come down to Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. I, I Yeah, I mean... I mean, you know, I, I think the I, run I want... game of the two teams are really consistent. I think their top receivers are really consistent. Um, top tight ends... You know, there's maybe a little bit of difference in there. Defensive-wise, I would say both defenses, you know, can be dominant, but they have moments where they falter. I really think this game is going to come down to Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins. And I think it's going to come down to who throws a pick. I think I think that will decide the game. Whoever throws the pick or the most picks will, will, will lose the game for their team. I... I could certainly see that. I I also am kind of I've been mulling over uh, Aaron Rodgers talking a little bit about the advantage of the cold, um, and how it can sometimes slow down edge rushers a little bit because you're you're working on hard ground. You the hits you take consistently as an edge rusher each play, um, and as an offensive lineman for that matter. It, it, you can kind of slow down a little bit throughout the course of the game and work less with the speed that you may have on a turf type field. So like part of what I'm thinking about with this game is I, I do think it's going to be a pressure and quarterback driven game. Uh, how many pressures can one defensive line get on a quarterback and how much does that ending up affecting the game? And that's where both the, Packers and the Vikings have had some really great players this year. Preston Zedaris on our side, Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin on the other side, um, and then a bunch of role players who have gotten in the mix with sacks and interceptions. So I I do think you're right. I do think it it's a lot of, in my perspective, who gets more pressures on the quarterback, um, which will probably impact how well that quarterback plays. <laughs> so... Uh, that's kind of where my mind is, at least with this game at this point. You know, and I mean, I think I think that's the way to think about it. Um, it's you know, it's gonna. I do think it's gonna come down to um, the turnover battle, um, and and who, you know, <laughs> who who can get that exactly. <laughs> um, so with the. With the Vikings being favored by four, uh, the Packers being on the road, um, what do you think the outcome of this game will be? Who's your X-Factor player, and what do you think the score prediction will be? Um, who is my X-Factor? Um, I mean, I, I really think this is going to be a fairly high-scoring game. I think it's going to come down to the final play. Um, I am... Let's see here. What do I think is going to happen? Um, 
let's see here. I think it's going to come down to 31-33 and Packers win. Okay. It's going to, on something is because of something on the final play. Okay. Um, My X factor here. Hmm. I mean, part of me just wants to say Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, can he execute at the level at the level that we've seen and in such a way that allows his receivers, his tight ends, the running backs as he throws to them to 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 make to make the plays. Um I think especially like th- I'm thinking back to like, you know, the first play of the game against the you know, with the catch, the missed opportunity of MVS. You know, yes, that ball was great positioned. Could have been just a hair better to make it just a hair easier for MVS, possibly. Um, and could could can the players around Aaron execute to give him that advantage? Um, so I want to say Aaron Rodgers, but like it's not just him. It's it's you know those players, the players around him that will give. I think it'll be his stat line. Um, but he isn't going to get that alone. That's fair. And I will, first off, what is your final score? Or, I said 33-31. Oh, right, okay. Packers. So, I, I will agree with you. Uh, and I think my unknown X factor for this week for the Packers is going to be Jace Sternberger, who will get his first catch and first touchdown as a Packer. On the same play? On the same play. Okay. <laughs> Those could be uh, two different plays. They could be, and they might. Uh, but I think Jay Sternberger is going to get a little bit more involved. He actually uh, was on the field for 14 snaps against the Bears, uh, and he actually was on the field more often than Robert Tanyan. Uh, and being on the field for about a quarter of the plays, uh, there was one play in particular uh, that he was on the field for against the Bears where he was wide open down the uh, right side of the field and it was could have been a touchdown throw but Aaron Rodgers was getting pressure in his face and it forced him to flush out uh, the pocket and miss that opportunity in seeing it Um, so I think the Packers might use Sternberger to try to match him up on a linebacker on some potential two tight end sets Uh, I think Sternberger's faster than most linebackers in this league uh and i think with the vikings uh maybe blitzing a little bit more asking more of their linebackers uh they might try to put one on sternberger and he might get the chance to get a big touchdown play uh that'll impact this game uh i do think the packers are going to win and lock up the nfc north um, I think Kirk Cousins is going to throw one interception, um, and we'll see where this goes. Uh, Do I you think... think that one interception will be the only turnover in the game? No. I don't. Okay. I think there's going to be more than one turnover in this game. Um, but uh, I, I think the Packers' defense will prevail. Um, I think with Dalvin Cook uh, potentially being out for this game, that's a big loss to the Vikings, and will ultimately impact their ability to run the ball on some critical drives, uh, causing, instead of them to continue a drive, to punt it away, turnover on downs, that type of thing. I don't think Dalvin Cook will be out. I think he's going to make this I game. think he might be out. Um, I think he's going to make this game. Well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, I think the Packers will win uh, 24-2. to 21 so that is my final prediction um any last things that you want to mention with this game or this week in packers territory i i mean looking at this season i was pretty sure this would be the game that would you know kind of be the game that decides things at the end of the season Sorry, Lions fans. I did not think it would be you in week 17. Um, And here we are. That's the case. Um, You know, there's only one way to find out, and that's to go out and do it. As uh, I think it was Zadarius said uh, during 
his uh, the the Smiths post game interview that they just got to keep chopping that wood. You know, just keep chopping that wood uh, is a good way to think about it. Uh, and you know what? On that last play of the Bears game, uh, you had to get him down in this Vikings game. You have to get him down. And right now, we just got our seat at the table. Uh, so from there, who knows? The world is our oyster. Um, and with that, uh, we will come to a close uh, of this episode of Cheesehead Hangover. I would ask for all of you listening uh, to say a little prayer for both me and Sarah and also our significant others who are attending this game with us. Uh, pray that we don't get arrested. Pray we don't get in any fights. Uh, pray that the Packers win, most importantly. And pray that my husband doesn't divorce me after sitting next to me for a whole game. Exactly. Um, with that, uh, have a great week and have a great life. Go Pack Go.